Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I've got my head sort of on my hand here, leaning in because I am interested. I hope you're all doing okay. Um, what a time and, and what a time I had. So I don't know how these things keep happening to me. I swear I'm not making them up. But um, on a walk with the children, they weren't keen to go. And in my defence, it was dark at the time. So I was going in the garage trying to find my gloves and my hat. It was very cold, very icy. Um, couldn't find my gloves. Thought, oh, right, let's just grab a different pair. Fine, put the hat on. Had walked approximately one mile before one child pointed out that my hat looked a little bit strange. And I said, oh, no, it's fine. It's just because I've got my head torch. Yes, I do have one of those. Embarrassing, isn't it? On No, it's absolutely fine. Tried to pull the the hat down further and couldn't. I thought, what's going on? Took hat off and discovered the gloves were inside. Yes. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I had walked for a mile with uh, this hat sticking up off my head with the gloves inside. So that that that's good. I'm I'm winning. <laughs> about you? Um, oh, I've got to say, do come and join us on the pace on the Facebook. <laughs> this is this is not going to go well, is it? On the Facebook group, um, we've got some great things going on. There've been some giveaways, all sorts of chat about books. It's just lovely, lovely people, lovely chat. So do come and join us. If you go onto Facebook, type in Quick Book Reviews Podcast whatever you'll you'll find us there uh, just look for the delightful orange uh, image of me reading a book and, and you should find it straight away you would be most welcome there we have got some great books well we've got some great books and mm, a, an interesting book to talk to you about so let me tell you what we've what we've got today. We've got Night Hawking by Ross Thomas. Um, you may remember he wrote Firewatching, which I talked about a few weeks ago. Really enjoyed. This is the next in the series. Then we've got A Violent Gentleman by Danny O'Leary. Sleeping Dogs by Wendy Turbin. Uh, Bound by Vanda Simmon. And uh, Word Perfect by Susie Dent. That's a non-fiction. Yes, full range here. And finally, uh, a book called The Gritter Man by Orlando Weeks, which is actually a graphic novel. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about Nighthawking, first of all. And we're really lucky we've got Russ Thomas joining us as well to have a chat. So that's great. Let's start with a blurb. Always a good place to start with. And then I'll tell you what I thought about the book. 
Sheffield's beautiful botanical gardens, an oasis of peace in a world filled with sorrow, confusion and pain. And then, one morning, a body is found in the gardens, a young woman dead from a stab wound, buried in a quiet corner. Police quickly determine that the body's been there for months. It would have gone undiscovered for years, but someone just sneaked into the gardens and dug it up. Who is the victim? Who killed her and hid her body? Who unburied her? And who laid two ancient Roman coins over her eyes? In his quest to find her murderer, DS Adam Tyler will find himself drawn into the secretive world of night hawkers, treasure hunters who operate under cover of darkness, seeking the lost and valuable and willing to keep what they find. So um, it's out now, this book, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it like I enjoyed fire watching. Um, I enjoyed this book from the first word to the last. Um, it's one that personally I couldn't just zip through it super quick. Um, I had to give it the fair time to really enjoy it. It made me work hard. It's quite a complex story, but that is not a bad thing. It's a great thing because it's a great book. Um, and the, the this series are getting a lot of attention uh, from readers. So it's it's not just myself who, who rates it. I thought it was great. I love these characters. Um, I really care about them and I really want to know what happens next. And they're not... Um, it's, it's not like they're sort of circus performers, but they are different sort of characters, but they're very real and true. And I, I just find that uh, as a loyal reader, you're rewarded for that. So I think we should talk to Russ and find out more about this book. So, Russ, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, I wanted to talk to you about this wonderful, glorious book. I mean, I've already... Um, raved about fire watching and, and was so keen to talk to you about night hawking. Uh, I mean, I just love these characters for me, particularly uh, Tyler and Rabani. I, I love their their persistence and their honour. How important were were those characters for you? Oh, they're massively important. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I worked on fire watching for pretty much almost ten years, really, um, oh. on and off between other projects, trying to get it right. And the big, the hardest thing was was to get the character right, really, specifically Tyler, because he's the, the kind of lead character. Mm. Um, and that was that was why it wasn't working in the very early drafts. The story pretty much stayed the same. I mean, it did change, but, but to all intents and purposes, it mostly stayed the same. Mm. Um, but it was it was getting his character right, and until I did that, it, it wasn't a book. It just didn't work. And, I think to begin with, I put too much of myself into into him, and I was I was writing about me, and and I and then I realised no, I'm not that interesting. I don't want to write about me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I I just thought, well, you know, let's make him completely different. And and once I did that, he's and he started to do things I didn't know he was going to do, oh, and wow. make decisions I didn't I wouldn't have wanted him to make. And then I thought, no, this is good. This is the character talking to you, telling you um, that he's real and that he's, you know, this is what he wants to do. You have to let that happen and then you'll have to bend the story around that. And, and so that's that's kind of when I thought, ah, I've got something now. I think, I think this is it. Rabani was somewhat easier. I'd had various other characters sort of fulfilling her role um, through the very early drafts. And then 
um, she sort of appeared out of nowhere. I don't really know where she came from. I, I decided that um, once he was a sort of police officer, I knew he'd have a, a sidekick, as it were, a, mm. a, a sort of second. Um, I decided in my head I wanted it to be a female voice because his was male, and I thought that seemed like a nice balance to me. Mm. Um, but other than that, she just sort of turned up on the page, fully formed, and started spitting people, <laughs> not literally, but you know, no, one just kind of, yeah. And um, so it was almost the opposite of, of Tyler, really. I fought to find his character and Ravani just turned up kind of nice. Oh, that's great. I mean, they're, they're characters that you get really attached to. So uh, yes, don't don't mess with them. <laughs> okay, I'll try not to, but yeah. I'm, not, I'm not in charge, it's up to them. <laughs> That almost sounds like it's um, a, an easy thing writing. I know it's not, but do you know what I mean? When when the characters take over, it almost sounds as if you're, you know, you can sit back in your pajamas and the typing just happens. Yeah, I know yeah, it's, it's not. not like it's that. not quite like that, but um, <laughs> but it's a good excuse for if you do something people don't like. You say, oh well, it's the characters for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they took over. It wasn't they? Yes. Um, I mean, in Nighthawking, we we learn about Nighthawkers. I I had no idea. Uh, about this how did that come about um I think it was an article I'd read years ago somewhere um I don't know but I've had it as a term in my head for a long long time mm. um and I knew that the concept of, of, of what um what nighthawkers are or nighthawks some people call them nighthawks um and I just found it quite an interesting weird little idea that people mm. would go out undercover of darkness and dig up treasure. Um, it seems such a hopeless uh, pastime to, 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 to one extent. And on the other hand, I can see the appeal of, of, of that sort of, I might hit lucky, I might hit big, you know, like playing the lottery yeah. or something like yeah. that. Um, and so, yeah, the term had stayed in my head and then mainly I was looking for a, a title that would complement fire watching um, and so and, oh, and it just yeah. came up from that night hawking and I thought oh I wonder if I could um, I wonder if I could base a crime around this uh, idea of people who dig up treasure and, and then I started looking into it and actually there's, there's a fair bit of crime out there um, that, that does happen in, in this way. And I love it that the title doesn't give the book away. There are so many books where, you know, you read the title and you think, well, that, that's summing up the story in a way. It, that Your titles are enticing, but that they don't complete the story. Yeah, I like, I, I think it's important that you let the reader do a bit of work. I, I, I don't want to spoon feed you. I mean, I think um, you're only going to get maximum enjoyment out of my book if, if there's some wiggle room for you to, to oh, I know what's happening here, or I see that, you know, I, like, I don't like to tell you right up front what's happening. I want you to discover it as you go along. And that's not just in the title, but, but through everything else. And I think that's difficult for some people. I've had some comments from people say, oh, I, I don't know what's, particularly my mum, oh, there's too much going on. I don't, I don't know what's oh, happening yeah. at the start. And I know, but you have to stick with it and, and hopefully yeah. you'll be rewarded and work out what's, what's going on for yourself. Yes, it's not. It's not like a, an appetizer. It, uh, some other books are. It's a. It's a main course. You've got to sort of chew your way through it. You've got to work hard, but the rewards are there because it. It. It is just such a, 
a good book, I, I, I think. I think. And yes, it, it's one that um, it takes a while to read through. It's not one you can just whiz through page by page and uh, because there are so many phrases and words you want to dwell on in in the story and really sort of well I mean I haven't said that some people do whiz through it <laughs> which oh, is really? which is lovely oh, so well, I think maybe right. there's different ways you can like everything people have different yeah. ways of reading don't they and, and different levels of enjoyment of things and, uh, yeah hopefully there's something something for everyone oh gosh definitely <laughs> I mean for me the book is about being human um, in a much more real way than again some some other books are about the strengths and the weaknesses of, of the human of humans I think you're very sort of honest in, in that was that a deliberate attempt yes yeah I think so um, all for me story all kinds of all story starts with character and and who someone is and the reasons why they choose to do the things that they do are important and to me that's what drives the story obviously the story is important people want to know what happens um but you you I, I kind of discover what happens by thinking right what would this person do and why would they do it and what's led them to this place why why do you suddenly decide to pick up a metal detector one day and go out in the pouring rain and dig around mm -hmm. in the dirt looking for treasure i mean that, that takes a certain kind of Person. I'm not saying it's the same for everyone, but um, I think that that's interesting to me to explore that idea and to find and equally for the police, why are they, why are they, if they were just looking for answers because they're police officers, that to me is not as interesting if, as if they're looking for answers to what's going on in their own life as well and, and kind of what, yeah. where they are and who they are and what drives them forward. And hopefully the reader feels the same. But yeah. yeah, I found the balance very interesting between the sort of the development of the crime story and of the characters as well. Is that something you have to be very aware of as, you, as you're writing? Because sometimes you might feel, oh, gosh, I really want to tell more about this character and its development. But then you've got the crime, the, the matter in hand as well and getting that balance. Yeah, it very much is a balance. <clears throat> Excuse me. and. Um, Luckily, now I'm at the stage where I have an agent and editors who can tell me when I get that balance wrong <laughs> and can say, you know, this three pages you've written here about what happened to their cousin Susan back in 1964, you don't need that. You can cut that out. Okay, right. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it, but, but you are, you're always treading that balance. You, you want to keep the story moving forward and obviously spiritually interesting, people can turn in the page, but equally, um, I, I, well, I, equally for my own benefit, I don't want it to feel like um, I don't want it to feel like a starter. I do want it to feel like a main course, and that you come away satisfied. Yes. You know. Yeah. And that's your analogy further. Yeah. <laughs> or just to copy it. <laughs> no, I love it. That's great. Um, and again, a, a typical question, but in ter in terms of plotting, um. Are, are you quite are you someone that likes to plot quite heavily before you start rather than um answer? yes uh, well no I, well I certainly wasn't for the first book I, I kind of just made that up as I went along um but then I had 10 years to write that and I didn't have 10 years to write book two so <laughs> I did have to force myself to do more planning planning's not really something that comes naturally to me 
I'd much rather just discover the story as it went along, but um, but you can end up down really blind alleys if you do that, if you work that way. So I did plot book two out, um, but I always leave a bit of wiggle room again for the, for characters to make their own decisions, and 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 it does change. It changed massively within the course of writing it. Uh, the, the, the the killer, for want of a better word, that you know, the reveals changed, the twists changed, mm. um, the order stuff happens in changed a, a little bit. Um, so all, all that stuff, there's room for in my plot. So I don't plan it to the nth degree. There's yeah. always, you know, there's a rough outline of where I want to get to and what I want to happen, and then yeah. see what happens as we go along. I mean, it seems plotting ranges from zero words to. 30,000 words as a plot, uh, it, it, yeah. it's different. Yeah. It's, great. And it's also, it's not, it's not like you do one thing and then move on to the other. The, the two things carry on hand in hand as you go through. So I'll, I'll, oh. I'll, I'll plot a certain amount out and then I'll write and then I'll think, oh, hang on, I'm going off a different way. So I'll then go back to my plot and I'll rework it and, and perhaps fill in some of the details I didn't know before and expand it so it becomes it's a working document, I think, my, my sort of plot plan, that makes sense. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> really interesting. That real no, that's yeah. interesting, because I'd always <laughs> thought in my mind, you know, step one, write plot, step two, start book, whereas yeah. it's more fluid than that, actually. Well, I, I'm sure there are people who do it that way, and, and that's absolutely fine, but I prefer, uh, I think, I like to give myself space to go wrong and if it's not wrong is it? it's made up so nothing's wrong <laughs> but um you, you go along and I'll, and I'll think oh I don't I didn't really want that to happen this character's turned around and um you, you know it's very easy to write in the plot the, the police officer goes along and interviews this character and this person tells them that such and such happened and then they go off but when you get to write that scene sit down you suddenly realize this, this person doesn't want to tell the police officer what happened because they have their own reasons for not doing so. Um, and also, if they just tell them, it's a bit boring. It, it's, just, it's just an interview on the page. That's not exciting. Mm. So let's, let's write it so that the, the person um, is reluctant to say and the officer has to drag it out of them. Or perhaps the officer does, walks away and doesn't get the answer they want, but maybe has a clue that leads them elsewhere. So then you have to go back to your plot and think, right, I need some extra steps now to get me back on track to where I wanted to be. Oh, yeah. So it's it's like that. I suppose it's I suppose if you're a brilliant plotter, you figure all that out right before you start and, and write it all down. But I'm perhaps not that clever. No, um, I think there are it, probably people it, out there who do do that. But it allows you to keep the the, the fun, if I can use that word in writing. The, the yeah, friend. no, that's. Right. That's absolutely right. And and for me, that's essential because I'm a fairly lazy person and, I, you know, I, I don't enjoy writing. I enjoy rewriting. I, I like going back and polishing what I've written, but I don't enjoy the, the slog of sitting down and putting the words out. Um, so if I feel I've already told the story in a 30 to 40 page outline yeah some of the impetus goes out of you yeah. wanting to work do you know what I mean so you, you sort yeah. of sit there and go oh, I've already told this story I don't really want to but if I can surprise myself along the way then that keeps me interested and, and keeps me moving forward yeah so you're learning the story almost as you're as you're writing yeah. as well which is yeah wonderful. yeah 
Um, I, I was interested in what part of the process is is your favourite because I, I imagine for me it would be the first stage of just writing it and, and getting it done and not facing all the subsequent hurdles that <laughs> it seems are part of a, a writer's burden. Um, what's your favourite part then? Is it the, the editing, the going the going back? Uh, I think it's people telling me they enjoyed it. That's my favourite part. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I'd say the, the editing definitely, yeah. It's, it's the... It, it's not always easy, but it's, I, it's the most enjoyable part for me. So sitting down with my thousand words or whatever I've written and, and turning that into 800 good words <laughs> rather than a thousand yeah. odd words, you know, um, and, and honing it. Sometimes cutting those words out altogether. And, and I'm, I'm fairly ruthless at cutting now. I've become more ruthless at it anyway. Um, because you do, you, you write a lot of stuff you don't need and, and you have to you have to get rid of it. And it's not wasted, it's got you to where you want to, to get to, hopefully. Um, and let's just talk about Firewatching as well, because for me, it was a book that at one point I hadn't heard anything of. Um, and then suddenly it was everywhere. Uh, you know, it was social media, it was, everyone was talking about it as one of the books to read did, did that happen did it feel like a, a wave a crescendo for you or, or was it a much slower journey <laughs> um yes to some extent and it, and it kind of comes in little waves depending on what's going on whether it's been promoted whether my wonderful marketing department have, have got involved and and, and you know because sort of, you know, lots of these things don't happen by accident there yeah people um, putting it out there and shouting about it, which I'm really grateful for. Um, but yes, it it was. I mean, there, there was a huge effect when it became the Waterstones Book of the Month. Um, although although the shops were actually closed for most of that month, um, it still had a massive impact on on sales and on and just people word of mouth and people talking about it. Mm. And going up and shooting up the charts and stuff like that so yeah that's it's really exciting it, it's that's all, all I ever wanted really so it's well, amazing yeah. to see it happen it, I find it <laughs> interesting how many times someone has to hear about a book before they actually go and buy it so you might yeah. see it come through on an email as Waterstones book of the month and you think oh okay but then you know for me I might see somebody uh, on Instagram or Twitter who I respect talking about the book and, and then that for me is okay I've seen it in a couple of places but yes yeah I think I probably do the same to, to be honest um you it's familiarity isn't it if you've heard three people have recommended something to you oh well then might yeah. be worth might be worth a punt mightn't it so um and you mentioned about how fire watching took gosh about 10 years to write my next question was going to be has your writing journey been easy but um <laughs> I'm assuming well it's been a bit complicated um yeah or I'm just a bit slow I don't know <laughs> uh it I, I don't know if I'd say it's easier or harder than anyone else's really it's not it's not easy to get published I, there are not many people that I know of and you hear a few don't you who say oh yeah just trotted this out one afternoon and sent it off and I had 18 offers <laughs> and that's lovely obviously I'm very pleased with them um but I think most people um kind of 
go through that apprenticeship. And and I, I don't I don't consider that a hardship. I think those ten years taught me to write. And um, obviously, I've been writing all my life, but that for those years, I was taking it seriously and considering mm. trying to get published and, and sort of thinking about a future in, in writing books. Um, and yeah, if it had been picked up ten years ago, it wouldn't have been the book it is now. Um, it wouldn't have been published in the same way. Mm. Wouldn't have had the response that it did. Um, I might be ten books further down the line but I don't think I'd be any further along in terms of career or um yeah if it is a career I don't know yes but, it is definitely <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um yeah I I that was my I, I see that as my apprenticeship I suppose yes those, those years of honing and, my craft that sounds uh, weird at what did I just say you, that? No, it sounds very professional. What, at what point did you start getting an, an agent involved then? Uh, oh, well, it was about three years ago now um, I got my agent. Um, because obviously it takes a couple of years for a book to come out. Um, but, and mine was slightly later than would probably be normal um, because of just the timing that I got my deal. Um, I think they decided it made sense for my book to come out in February. So I had to wait almost 18 months before the book was published from getting the publication uh -huh. deal. That was a long 18 months. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, and I'd sort of got my age in a few months before that, and that's six months before that, I guess. Um, but that hadn't been the first time I'd approached agents. That um, my, my agent, um, Sarah Hornsley is brilliant and she was the first person I approached on this batch of submissions um, but the previous times I'd sent things out to people and had the usual rejections and knockbacks and things like that. Yeah so it just yeah. shows you've got to keep going keep persevering. Yeah I put it away for a couple of years and then I went back to it and changed it and whatever I did in that change was what made the difference, I think, or perhaps it was just time away from it I needed. Because after that long working on it, on a project as well, you, you do get a bit tired and a bit, mm. you know, fed up with it. So it's, it, I, I always recommend this for, for, for beginner writers. When you've written anything, whether it's just a little thing, a poem or a, a short story or, or, or a bigger work, um, put it away leave it for a while and then go back to it before you send it out somewhere because mm. you'll go back to it with fresh eyes and you'll see it's probably not as good as you thought it was or not as awful as you thought it was you know it can work both ways now, that's really good advice just to have that time away from it to yeah. go back fresh and see if it's still as good as your heart said at the beginning yeah or as bad <laughs> when you when you've done a good bit of writing you, you, you always walk away thinking oh this is the best thing i've ever written or you walk away thinking this is rubbish I, i've struggled all day and i've only managed to bang out 300 words and it's terrible and neither is true when you go back to it the good bit of yeah. writing is it's not the best bit of writing you've ever written and the rubbish bit isn't quite as bad and there are things you can rescue from it so but the lesson with that and, and with your story is persevere, keep keep going back. And because this is why we're here today talking about 
uh, fire watching, talking about night hawking, that, you know, that persistency pays off. And it's been an um, absolute joy to talk to you today, Russ. Thank you. And uh, really look forward to following your, your career as an author. Thank you very much. Well, that was very interesting, wasn't it? So thanks to Russ Thomas, author of uh, Night Hawking. Um, and of course, the first book in the series was Fire Watching. If you come across a, a copy of Night Hawking, don't think you have to put it to one side and get Fire Watching first of all. As with any series, yes, of course, it does give you more information on the background of characters. Um, but don't think, don't let it stop you from um, seeing what, what you think about the book. The next one I want to talk to you about is called A Violent Gentleman by Danny O'Leary. Um, so the blurb is this quite simple. Devils take all shapes and forms. Angels, too. At six foot nine, Jeremiah Connell came in two sizes, big and tall, and he could be devil one minute, angel the next. One problem. Jerry wasn't psychic. If he'd been psychic, then maybe he'd have stayed away from Cedar Tree Avenue on that warm L.A. night. Then again, knowing him, maybe not. So this is a story set in America and the UK. It reminded me somewhat about the Orphan X books. Um, so you've you've got a lot of violence in here. But I think the title sums it up perfectly because you've got this guy who is very honourable a lot of the time. Or, or yeah, uh, I, yes, I won't say anymore. He's honourable a lot of the time. Um, but my goodness, he's not afraid to use his fists or any other implement that might come his way to cause considerable distress to those he feel he feels are uh, not doing the right thing. He's not someone you'd want to cross. Um, he's not someone you would want thinking that you've done something wrong. Um, and so, it, but the, it, in a way, it, it's a bit like a, a Robin Hood. Um, you know, even someone isn't sort of doing things, going about it legally. They're still looking out for other people. Um, and it's the, the, the real baddies that need to worry. Um, but it does sort of make you question your judgment when you're celebrating the fact of some, you know, as he crunches another baddies bones and all of that. So, um, yeah, it's you need to like reading or be comfortable in reading about quite violent situations um, and it's either a book that you will love or that you don't and uh, I, I think as I say I think the title just sums it up brilliantly a violent gentleman he does what's right not what's easy um, so yeah that's a, a an interesting one the next one is Sleeping Dogs by Wendy uh, Turbin um, and this is said to be the first Penny Wiseman murder mystery um, so let's read the blurb on this one. This is a this is a bit different. A jigsaw puzzle of a crime novel with a paranormal twist. Meet Penny Wiseman, a private investigator by circumstance, stumbling through adulthood and desperately trying to keep her late father's business afloat. She's on the trail of her client's husband. He's guilty of hiding something. But is he having an affair? The case leads her to an intriguing series of mysteries and encounters and not all are quite of this world. Because for Penny, seeing the dead is a fact of life. And when a teenage ghost wants justice, who else can the girl turn to for help? There's one big problem. The dead don't talk. Penny's first job is to work out exactly why she's being haunted. Her second is to solve the case that should pay her bills. But will she find answers to either question? 
Um, yes, so I think that sums it up brilliantly. And may I just apologise for the noise my stomach seems to be making. I am at a level of hunger that I haven't known for some time. and But I have to get this podcast done before I can eat. So just bear with, OK? Anyway, back to Sleeping Dogs. Um, I thought it was a very interesting premise. Quite a different book. Um, and good to have the combination there of... You can see I'm actually messing with the book as I'm talking to you. Um, good to have the, the combination of the sort of the crimes and the paranormal um and with a with an edge of humor as well so yes that that's very interesting as well sleeping dogs the next book bound um is by van der simmon and i have raved about uh, the previous book i read of hers contained and i'm going to rave about this one as well these books are set in new zealand uh, they focus on a female police officer who is punchy and brilliant and and all that you would want to be on your side. So let us read the blurb. When the official investigation into the murder of a respectable local businessman fails to add up and personal problems start to play havoc with her state of mind, New Zealand's favourite young detective Sam Shepard turns vigilante. The New Zealand city of Dunedin is rocked when a wealthy and apparently respectable businessman is murdered in his luxurious home while his wife is bound and gagged and forced to watch. But when Detective Sam Shepard and her team start investigating the case, they discover that the victim had links with some dubious characters. The case seems cut and dried. But Sam has other ideas. Weighed down by her dad's terminal cancer diagnosis and by complications in her relationship, she needs a distraction. And she launches her own investigation. And when another murder throws the official case into chaos, it's up to Sam to prove that the killer is someone no one could ever suspect. As I say, just love this book. Um, it should just be published now, pres presuming that the publication dates aren't, aren't put back. Um, and I, yeah, I really like it. I like the style of writing. It it sounds like it's going to be quite sort of gruesome and depressing because you've got this awful murder happening at the beginning and his wife being bound and gagged and watching. You've got the um, Sam's father with the cancer and you think, gosh, is but it, it, yes, there are serious components in the book, but just this main character, Sam Shepard, is so full of spark um, that that it makes it fine, makes it all very palatable, I would say. So don't be put off this book at all. And and it's just so interesting to read something based in New Zealand, as I said last time. Um, so really, really enjoyed that book. Excellent. Um, and the next one is one I was given. Um, I was actually given it at Christmas. And this is our non-fiction offering for the week, ladies and gentlemen. And it's a great one. So it's called Word Perfect by Susie Dent. And basically it goes through every day of the year and gives you a particular word. So a word that some words you, you will have heard of and, and maybe you know more about. Uh, other words you know you've never heard of. Um, the 1st of January, the word is crambuzzled, which is basically a, a fact of when you, you've just uh, had too much to cope with um, and and you're just crambuzzled. I just thought it was great. Uh, literally, it says here, literally a cat's wailing and a useful synonym for a severe hangover headache. Um they're all ones that make you think and it's a, the sort of book that you would have 
maybe by the bath, something like that, so that each day, if you have a daily bath, if you have a weekly bath, then there'll be quite a bit to read through. If you have a bath once a year, you're going to be there for a long time because you've got to read the whole book. So if you are a frequent bather, this could be one for you to have by your bath. Um, but yeah, I just I just liked it. I'm just looking at another one. Jingoistic is another word um, which is sort of based on the phrase by Jingo, uh, which I liked a lot. Another one, snottinger. Um and I'm not going to read you all what that means because you should buy the book yourself and I don't want to give away. That's like me reading out loud from a book. Um, but I just think it's something different. And if you are looking for a present for somebody who you think, oh, well, they love books, but I don't know what to get them. Um, they've got lots of books already. Where would I start? I want to get them a book that they're going to enjoy. I think this is a winner. I was so glad to receive that. I thought it was really good. Um so, yes, Word Perfect by Susie, Susie Dent. All very good. Now, finally, this is the one I had really high hopes for this. So this was this is a graphic novel. It's called The Gritter Man. It's by Orlando Weeks. Um, and the quote on the front is by Raymond Briggs, no less. Extraordinary and original. And I would agree with that. My problem is, and it is my problem, that I read graphic novels for comfort. Um, yes, OK, I'm not expecting them to be all Disney and Winnie the Pooh and all of that. I'm quite I'm quite happy for a murder to be there. But it it's about the the journey of the book and the resolution. Um, and I'm not going to say anything about it. It is a beautiful book. It's stunning in terms of uh, it's it sort of set mainly. Well, it is set at wind in winter with the snow. And that really comes across. And also you can go onto Spotify and hear the music that's sort of set behind it all. Um, and the, the author reading uh, the, the book as well, which is which is extraordinary. Um, but for me, I go I go to a graphic novel to as a place of safety and to, to feel comforted. And for a lot of the book, I was feeling comforted, but um, I'm not. I'm not it it just it didn't complete itself in the way I was expecting and therefore I didn't get comfort and therefore I felt disappointed. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the book. And again, if you're if you're into if you're someone who's getting into graphic novels, wants something a bit different, um, the drawings are exquisite. The story of this this guy who has a an ice cream van and in the summer he sells ice cream and then in the winter he Quits the roads. He, he's someone who goes out at night and helps keep everyone safe um, when they come to drive uh, later on uh, on icy roads. So it, I love the premise of it. And I did love the story. And actually, as I'm holding it and thinking back, I'm feeling better about the book. So maybe it's just caught me on a, on a bad day. Um, so it's one of those I'm unsure about. Loved it, but it didn't fulfil the need that I needed it to, if that makes sense. I'm feeling it's a long, I'm wittering on a lot. But yeah, there we go. The Gritter Man by Orlando Weeks. Um, read it and tell me what you think. I'd be very keen to know. So I think we've covered a lot, a lot of books there. Um, and it was great to talk to, to Russ as well about the brilliant Nighthawking. That was wonderful. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking, hopefully, to an author I have followed for decades. Um, I remember getting his books out of the library. Oh, just, yes, very. that's very exciting. And lots and lots of great books to talk to you about, just like this week. So 
look, you you just take care. You look after yourselves. Get through the week. And I'll talk to you again very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.